0: want to be very honest, I didn't want her to come to church today. I felt like in a funk. So heavy. My heart was heavy. And that's what I came in, and the first person that I saw was our greeter, Missy. And I was like, oh, and she's like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I, I don't want to be here. <laughs> and, and she you know, she began to speak life into me. Because I had believed a lie this morning that my heart was so heavy. And it was. It is. It's a burden. But there's nothing greater than our God. Amen. There is no thing. That heaviness, it's no, it's nothing for God. He is greater than that. And... And this morning I wake up, and the first thing I read, God, is, God has a sense of humor, guys. And the first thing I read is in Psalm 5073, uh, verse 26, it says, My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is, my, is the strength of my heart and my per- my portion forever. He is so right now, I just want you guys to think of one name that God has been for you. Just think of that one name and just shout it out right now. Come on, God, you're my portion. You're my strength. You're my joy. The joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. He's our shield. Guys, we. Need to go to him on these times, especially on these times where you're just don't want to go to church, because there's something good in store for you, and it hasn't, it's not, it's not finished yet. Uh, Worship was amazing, and it lifted my burden up, Uh, and I know that God has more in store for you this morning. God has a word. That He wants to speak and pierce through that heaviness today, and also, small group, our Thrive Tribe season is coming, and I am so excited because I get to lead one, <laughs> and it's gonna. I'm gonna just spoiler alert, it's gonna be for uh, girls, and um, I was watching this this movie last night, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, and. I and I'm like that's going to be my tribe. It's going to be a how to for girls, how to cook and make sushi, how to make a charcuterie board, how to shoot a gun, how to I mean every week we're going to have 7 weeks of fun and we're going to dig in the scripture, and we're going to pray for each other, and we're going to have fun. And did I say we're going to have fun? So, sign up. The registration is going to be up, um, I believe, this or next week. Yes. So, stay tuned for our website, our registration, our small group. Do not do life alone, okay? So, now we're gonna greet one another just give each other a high five a fist bump tell them how glad you are to see them this morning
1: Well, good morning everyone. It's good to see you. Glad you're here in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. Hey, all those amens and hallelujahs are really good today. We're going to need as many as we can. Greg, I'm going to count on you, all right? All right, I got my hallelujah. That's true. That's right. Anybody else over here? Bruce, I want to hear you saying some hallelujahs, a little, little praise dance every once in a while. It'd be good. Give some assignments out over here, Pam. Same thing, I want that from you as well. Nathan, just keep looking handsome, just keep doing that. You can't look handsome. <laughs> hey, I hope y'all brought y'all's sword of the spirit right here. you all sword, we, we need this for times such as these that we're in. This is our, our greatest weapon against the, the, the works of the enemy. And uh, if you don't have this, it's okay. Uh, God has used creativity to provide really cool little tips and, and, and apps that are inside of your phone. This can be a sword as well. It's not like a lifesaver, you know, like in Star Wars, but you can pull up YouTube, i mean, sorry, Uversion, Uversion app, and you can go into the more section, go up to events, and then you can download, go to Thrive Community Church, and you can actually download the notes. And I'm telling you, you wanna go download the notes for this series today, this message, and then next week's as well. Because there's there's a lot to dive into over the next five days, six days before you come back here, and so you're not going to get all you all you need. You're going to be able to, to get a little bit, but I'm telling you, as you mull through this on your own in the mornings, God is going to do an amazing work in your life. And so, as we before we get into this series, I want to I want to invite you guys, especially uh, the Go Team. I want to get my all our, our Go Team, that's our Serve Team, our volunteers, plugged into. Not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday night at 6.30. We're calling it First Wednesday, and yes, I know, I do good math. This Wednesday technically is the first Wednesday, but with Labor Day coming, you're thinking, don't get in my way, I'm ready to go Labor Day, and so I'll get back with you next week, and so that's why we're catching up with you, but we're going to continue that October, November, and then December on first Wednesdays at 630, and we just want to bring some some vision, some clarity, some refreshing, some good relationship building and fellowship community fun uh, with you because of all you do, and if if you're not on the GO team yet, uh, you You've, maybe you filled out this card last week, and thank you so much for, for investing in your church and filling out this card. Please come anyway, and even if you haven't, and you're like, man, I think this week I'm ready to do that, come on, come on. We want to celebrate with you. We want to have some fun, and we, wanna, we want to just get to know you and build some relationships. If this is your first time here, or you've never filled out one of these, this is in the seat back in front of you, as well as the other card I showed you. You can fill this out, put your name information, and then if you have a prayer request, this is where you would place it, and we will contact you and pray with you. We're not just going to say, oh, I'll be praying for you. No, we're going to pray with you. It's very important that we do that, especially in these times. And as my beautiful wife, Allie, came up here and said, tribe dinner tonight. If you're interested in uh, hosting or leading a tribe, join us tonight at 6 o'clock. If you would, pre-register. That way we know how much food to bring. And so we're talking, we're starting our series right here talking about out of the cave out of the cave and this is really what it feels like when you're inside of the cave sometimes it feels like somebody's out rejoicing but here you are stuck in this dark space and you're not sure quite how to get out of that thing and and really this this highlighted in 2018 when several pastors begin to make a decision to take their own lives And in California, there's a 30-year-old pastor who left behind three children and his wife who was just suffering from depression. And, And this response from a pastor in Orlando all the way across the nation says depression is a real thing. It's real and pastors are not exempt or defective who experience it. He said, in this generation, pastors are expected to be business savvy, Instagram quotable, preaching celebrities, fully accessible, deeply spiritual, not too young, not too old. And if a pastor doesn't quite measure up to someone's expectation, at any given moment, they are given a two out of five star rating on Google. Wow. We have reduced the ministry to star ratings on Google. Let me recommend that you pray for your pastor and support your church faithfully and I would say fruitfully. Come on. And then he finished the statement with, you'll probably never realize what they walk through privately. That's true! And what a blessing it is that we are able to walk through such things. And, and I want you to say, I want to say this and I read this not because, oh, for pastors. No, pastors are allowed to go through things so that they can in turn begin to help you with victory to come through your own things. Can I get an amen there? Because we're all on the same playing field it's all a level playing field there is a responsibility even for us as pastors to navigate through the waters the muddy waters that life provides so that we can in turn read from here pull from here extract from here and experiential life so that we can now release impart that back to you so that you at least have the answers whether you choose to follow those answers or not And this is why spiritual covering and authority is so important. This is why unity in the body is so important. This is why relationships and community, this is why Thrive Tribes that we're launching are so important because it provides a space for us to get with others, take off the mask, and then begin to get real with other people who love us. They're on a spiritual journey, and they're wanting to grow in the Lord as well. Well, I gave this same blurb, that same quote that I gave you back in, 2018 of October of 2018 and I was doing a message series called Reply All. It's one where I asked the, the congregation, what is it that you have confusion about? What is it you would like to know what the word of God says? And I created a message series around that and this one was titled Depression. In fact, this was the most listened to and watched message of 2018 that I spoke, which spoke loud to me and it told me where our people are. And, and I was around 100 pastors this past week, and I realized, wait a minute, this is not a Henderson County thing, this is a national thing. And even more so, it's an international, global thing. And so, uh, last year, all of us suffered some sense of depression. And In fact, mental hotline, mental health care hotlines increased in their calls 900% in 2020. And one out of four young people in 2020 considered taking their own lives. And one out of ten of the rest of us. And I want to remind you, of, if you were here in February, we had a celebration and, uh, with our staff. And we were coming home from Dallas and stopped in downtown uh, at a coffee shop. And there was a young lady serving Kevin and I. Kevin worked. And she was there taking our order, leaning on the counter. And I saw Mark's. And I could tell they weren't, they weren't too old. And so after we ordered we went, we were waiting for our order and I just felt the boldness of the Holy Spirit come upon me and I walked back over there and I felt the love of the Father and I leaned into her and I said, hey, how are you doing? I said, how long have you been doing that? She said, what? I said, what's on your arm? She slowly pulled it down and she said, I don't know, I've been doing it for a little while now. And I said, why are you doing that? What's going on? She said, I just don't feel like I have meaning. I don't feel like I have purpose. I don't even feel like there's a reason for my existence. And I just began to speak life. I began to speak this back into her. I began to tell her, hey, it it wasn't me being here, it was the work of the Lord that brought me here. And I'm telling you, I don't know who your surroundings are, but if you find a church and you find some people that'll love you, God will show you something different than what you're believing right now. And it gave me a burden and it broke my heart And every one of us have suffered and are struggling with some situation close to that or a family member or a family member, a family member, a work, an employee, a co-worker that is struggling. And so there is ripple effect all around and we're saturated in this thing called depression. Trauma has slowly moved over the last 18 months like a cloud cutting in front of the sun to where you didn't notice that it wasn't sunny anymore. All of a sudden it's just cloudy. It wasn't abrupt. It wasn't fast. It was just all all multiple things coming in at the same time, and all of a sudden, it just was. And that's where we are. Divorce divorce went up 20%, antidepressant meds went up 300%, and this has become the true epidemic. So I want to talk with you about what it means to become a caveman. (laughs) Because things get ugly when you start to wander in that cave, and you start to start to get a little you you caveman going backwards in life because it's so easy and you think sometimes we grow spiritually and we think i've arrived but all it takes is a little cloud cover to come in and we didn't notice and all of a sudden what is going on we're cavemen but i fully believe this is not something for the world to solve this has become something for the church to solve and it is my heart, it's your staff's heart, that we become the church that heals and brings healing into the community around us so that you too can be equipped from the comfort that you have received to go and comfort others who are in need. That's the only way this thing's going to work. That's the only way we're going to fight this true pandemic, this epidemic. It takes all of us. And today I'm going to share with you six ways we, can, we, we find ourselves in the cave And next week, we're going to talk about five ways you can come out. So don't go on Labor Day and say, I'm just going to stay in the cave. (laughs) Show up Sunday morning, come out of the cave, and then go back to wherever you were going, whatever you were doing and having fun. But we're going to get you out of there. But the first, let me say this. There are some very real biological circumstances that provide the reason why some people wrestle with depression, but if we let biology control the entire narrative then we will miss some very real solutions that can actually draw us out of this thing called depression. It is not all biology and chemical imbalance but because of the world standards it has all been reduced to this thing to plug people into prescriptions so that You will need a doctor's visit every so often to fill your prescription, and then you will need to go to the pharmacy. Let me tell you, and I am uh, an example of that, that is not God's heart. It's trying to tell, sorry, sorry. Depression is not a malfunction of the mind, it's a signal. It's a signal that's pointing at something that just ain't right. It's not right. And it's trying to point to something to tell us, hey, red light here, and if things don't get solved and dealt with right here, there's going to become a greater, a greater issue. And it's a signal that points to if we'll find the solution, God's solution for this scenario, it will not only reduce and, and remove the depression from our lives, but it will probably most likely solve other mental relationship and physical issues as well. Secondly, there's a stigma against coming forth with depression. I wear glasses. My eyes are an organ. They obviously don't work at peak sufficiency, peak performance, but you don't think I have a lack of faith just because I wear glasses. You don't judge me or think there's something wrong with that guy because I wear glasses. You may think that for other reasons, but it's not because of my glasses. And so, listen, the mind is a part of the body as well, and it too can have a condition. It too can have a condition. And so, we shouldn't think less of people when they are struggling in this area of their minds. We don't think less of people when they wear glasses. Are we making sense here? So I really want us to embrace others during this tribe season because we need people to come around us. And we need to come around others to embrace for encouragement and to, for, to give encouragement and to receive encouragement. To take this mask off, get vulnerable, say, hey, here's the thoughts. Is that looking good or is it not? And we lovingly walk this thing called life out with one another. And we do this until everyone understands my illness is not my identity. Who, what I feel is not who I am. And we've got to understand and make a commitment to this reality right here. Because until we know that this is in Christ, this will confuse us every day of the week. So what I'm feeling is not who I am and I strongly desire the church to be the leader in addressing these issues but let me give you the end before I give you the beginning let me give you the good news before I start to work down into the cave can I get an amen yeah. for for those so for those and so God does not want you to see you struggle. And for those who say, well, this is my lot in life. You ever heard that? And this is just the cross that God has given me to bear. I wholeheartedly truly believe that that is not the truth and that God is still a miraculous healer. And he has healing for every one of us right where we are. So I know that we can all intimately Discover a relationship with Jesus. I know we can all find freedom for this. by the way, that, thro- that thorn of crown- that crown of thorns that Jesus took was for depression, was for anxiety, was for worry. it was for fear. it was for every mental issue that we struggle, struggle with as humanity in humanity. but to find freedom, to connect to purpose and to make a difference. now that doesn 't mean that you won 't still struggle along the way. That just means in my struggling, I'm going to help someone else as God is helping me. Because it is the enemy's trick to just say, hey, you don't need to do that anymore. Let me just pull you away. But what does the Bible say? Galatians five one says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And what I love about the Bible is that it addresses all of our issues and it reveals us to God to reveals us to us that God uses even the most beat up and bruised people. Yeah. He, he chose to use adulterers, murderers, and yes, he even chose to use people who are suffering depre- with depression. One of those is the prophet Jeremiah. Yeah. He wrote a book on depression. Like it's, woe, agony, woe is me, pain and despair. And it's called Lamentations. Nobody goes and wakes up and say, "I'm going to get some encouragement today." Let me let me flip to Lamentations. No, you slightly read Lamentations as you're passing through it to get to the next book. But he says in Lamentations 3:17, he says, "I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone, and all that I have hoped for had hoped for hope from the Lord." He says, "My success, my family, all I lived for is gone." Woe is me. And then he says, I remember my affliction, my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. And that's depression right there. And I guess it is, Jeremiah, if that's what you're going to sit around and think about. I'm going to connect some dots here. If that's what you're going to sit around and think about. Because it can happen to all of us, and it can even happen to prophets who are prophets, people who hear from the Lord. I'm going to build on that. Apostle Paul said this, and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 1.8. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience. Hey, I don't want you to know. I don't want you to not know. There's going to be some troubles when you start serving. There's going to be some troubles when you start getting in the game called Jesus. There's going to be a little problem here and there. I don't want you to be uninformed. About the problems we we experienced in, in in Asia, we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. We just wanted to die. Just wanted to call it quits. That's depression right there. And and I don't know if you've, you you've heard this. Forgive me if you were at Freedom but Freedom Conference, but there's. There's a story of a guy, and he's, and he's walking through the grocery store, and he's, he's pulling his little, pushing his little baby around, a cute little baby, and the baby's just wailing, crying, like, wah, wah. and the And, and the, the guy, the man, the dad, is sitting there, it's okay, Albert. Everything's going to be okay, okay, Albert. Don't worry, Albert. It just, it just quiet down, Albert. Just, just calm down, Albert. Don't cry, Albert. And a lady walked up, and she says, oh, sir, I really love how you're trying to tend to your baby. And the man says, dear lady, my name is Albert. Because <laughs> that's how ministry is. That's how life with Jesus and serving others is. It's going to be okay, Nathan. Everything's going to be okay, Nathan. Don't worry, Nathan. All the, it's, it doesn't matter, Nathan. God's still got this, Nathan. I mean, that's how, exactly how it feels. And guess what? He does have it. And he is doing it. And in the midst of that, we are finding declarations that line up with the word of God that begins to rewrite the condition of our soul until we find agreement with those very words right there. But the story I want to pull from is actually a very powerful man, even a prophet of God. And his name was Elijah. Now, Elijah had just dealt with three years of drought, prayed that God would bring rain, and he did through a little bitty cloud that turned into a rainstorm, and he ran to stay out of the drought. And then he goes and he goes up against 850 prophets of Baal, and in the competition here was whose God is greatest? And, the, and Elijah. long story short, Elijah uh, calls down fire on a sacrifice, an altar, uh, an altar and a sacrifice. The wood was drenched in water. The sacrifice was drenched in water. And not only that, he dug a trench all the way around it and filled it with water too. Elijah calls down fire from God. God shows up, scorched the place. And Elijah pulled out his sword and he slays. He kills the 850 prophets of Baal. Now... The next moment is this right here, what I'm about to tell you, in 1 Kings 19. It says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. This was the text message that he got after church. This was on his Facebook wall from a friend, a former church member. This was from his coworker, his employee. This is what his boss said to him after work. And so he goes from this highest of highs and this, this almighty's of almighties, this knowing that God's going to show up no matter what, to he was wrecked and messed up. So he flees into a cave and he begins to meditate on wrong things. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he, when he came to Beersheba, which Beersheba, if I had time to give you a whole story, was the place where he actually committed his life to Christ. Oh, sorry, to God, to following God. He said, in Beersheba, this was the place where he says, God, if you want to use me, then use me and I'll do whatever you say. And the moment Je- Jezebel's text comes across his phone, he's running back to the place that he had committed his life to God. And sometimes you and I need to remember and recall the commitment that we made to God on that day when we felt his presence and we experienced his voice and he declared and he asked and he requested and you called and you answered and you said yes. Sometimes in the midst of that battle, you need to run back to where it started. So in Beersheba, though, in Judah, he left his servant there. And this was his first mistake, by the way. He left his servant. He left and isolated himself while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. So Elijah gives us six things that could cause us to end up in this cage. And, and to me, depression is like being in a cage. There's this sense, there's this feeling that all of a sudden something just starts to overcome you and come upon you. And it's, it's like, what is this heaviness? It's upon me, it's around me. And all of a sudden you've backed into this thing and you're wondering, how in the world do I get out of this now? I've been there and I've even, I've, I've even seen it recently. Recently. And let me tell you, 16 years ago, I was seeing a doctor for medication for anxiety and depression. But the feeling was that my wires just weren't sinking. But when I I took that medication that was prescribed to me, I felt like all of a sudden my wires are firing, they're connecting, and they're working. So it's a very real thing. But let me tell you, two years later, God miraculously healed me from that with this, and I've never had to take any medication ever since. <clears throat> However, I want to discuss six things we do have choices over that causes us to find our way into this cave. And again, next week, we're going to, we're going to give you five that get you out of that space. So let's talk about how we end up in the cave. And number one is this, life imbalances. Research has proven that we need to focus less on chemical imbalances as a cause for depression, and more—I'm sorry—and more of our on our lifestyle as an imbalance which causes depression. With Elijah, Elijah's story, and probably much like your own, and definitely much like my own, there tends to be a major attack after a great victory. Whether it's a spiritual victory or a personal victory, everything's like, oh, it's all high times and hallelujahs, and all of a sudden, boom, something hits. What's up with that? Sunday nights can be some of the worst for me. All of a sudden, I should have said this. I should have added that. I wonder where they were. I wonder why they didn't show up. I wonder what's going on over here. I wonder how so-and-so is doing. I haven't heard much from them. You know, you're sitting there. All these thoughts are running through your mind. And boy, Satan loves to whisper in because you've given out. You're exhausted. You're tapped out. And boom. Great victory, but boom. And the next thing I know, it feels like I'm surrounded by darkness and what feels like a cave. And in fact, a lot of times when we get, these, we get these after these major highs, what happens is we let up. We, we hit in coast mode. All of a sudden, it's just, yeah, I've arrived, baby. Ain't nobody going to mess with me now. It is finished. And that, I mean, like, we get that. And we think that. We feel that. And I go, I go snowboarding a lot. Can I, where are my snowboarders at? Come on. There's me, and there's me. I'm alone. Lonely mountain, I'm going down the lonely mountain. I go down snowboarding. It's in a lonely place. I'm in the cave all of a sudden snowboarding by myself. Lord, I, okay, we're gonna have a snowboard tribe. Who's with me? Come on, Samuel's with me. Okay, they're very good. Tinsley's with me, excellent. Anyway, would've been better, but 30, about 30 people die each year on the Colorado slopes from, from snowboarding or skiing. What happens? They run into a tree. Don't run into a tree. Don't hit a tree. Don't hit a tree. But 90%, 90% of all injuries happen in that last hour. Why? And I think we're very connected to this. is because they're tired and they're overconfident. I remember about the first time I learned, I was I was there in in, uh, in in Breckenridge, Colorado, and I'm going down Peak Seven, and I'm getting it. I'm like, yes, I learned my S curves growing up riding the skateboard as a kid, paid off finally. And so I'm riding down, I'm I'm am going S to S, but i was like, no, nope, this is the last run, last day, I'm getting it. So I'm going full blast straight down to the base, and I'm and I finally cut so that I can I can stop, and you know you slide for a while, and I caught a I caught an edge and. Boom, all of a sudden, I'm scorpion, and all the way, it's called scorpion, you look like this, going, sliding all the way in on your belly, all the way to base, and everybody's just sitting there laughing at you. <laughs> I'm tired, and I'm overconfident, but that's how we are in life. We're tired, we're stretched out, we've committed to too much that we shouldn't be committing to that have no eternal value, come on, and we think, just because I can, I should, but it doesn't mean that you should. And so we're overconfident, like, oh, I got this. And we do things that, yes, sustainable for short times, it's possible, but it ends up being long-term things that we commit to that we can't sustain, and it causes trauma. There was a book written... About uh, by Stephen Lardy about the depression cure. It says, we were never designed for the sedentary, which is sitting around, slow, sitting around, indoor, socially isolated, fast food laden, sleep deprived, frenzied pace of modern life. We weren't. We weren't built for that. What, what can we do? Ecclesiastes 4.6 says this, better than one hand with tranquility. A lot of times we think, well, I, I've got time to work one job, I can work two. We have this philosophy that if one is good, then two are better. If, if one car is good, two are better. If one donut is good, two are better. And if one wife is good, nope. it's not. It's not. Because what happens is the two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. all of a sudden we're struggling in our souls and we're just chasing something that we never will catch. Number two is this, comparing ourselves with others. Elijah said, I am no better than my ancestors. Why even go there? Like we're looking over our shoulder nonstop just wondering what is everybody else doing? How are they doing it? How did they get there? Why did they get there? And all of a sudden we have comparison judgment decisions in our soul and in our heart and we begin to ruminate, meditate on those. Satan has created this thing called social media. In social media, all people are doing is posting their super posts. They're propping up these super posts. They're looking all glamorous. They spent three hours to take one shot. (laughs) They're they're giving you their their Pinterest shots, their their glamour shots. They're giving you the best of the best. But they didn't post that five minutes before or that five minutes after when they were cussing their spouse or neighbor. You don't see that part on the other side of the camera. You just see... (laughs) Angry, angry, angry. Yes, it's a, it's a show. And we start looking into those blurbs, those, those, those pages, those social media, and we start thinking, well, their life is so much better than mine. All of a sudden now we've degraded our lives and what God is doing right here in our lives because of what somebody is showing or acting like is going on in their lives. Now all of a sudden, we're low, it doesn't matter, what I'm doing doesn't count, God's not doing anything with me, I'm not going to make it, it's not worthy, I don't know how they ever got there, they don't do anything, they're lazy, I don't know where they got that makeup from, but I don't know why I don't have it. <laughs> the comparison is the thief of joy, Theodore Roosevelt says. It's the thief of joy, in fact, it's a sin even. It's a sin. The more you wonder what they, why they have what they have, the, more, the further you go into this cave because it's no longer focused. You're no longer focused on what God is doing with you right now to bring you into the glory, the goodness, and everything that He has for you. Galatians 5, 6 says this each one should test their own actions. Well, you got to test your heart, test your actions, test, test the why behind what you're doing. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else for each one should carry their own load. It's causing this cave of depression when we start to compare our lives for others. Elijah, see, he was never going to stand before God for his ancestors, but he is, and like you and I, he was going to stand before God for his response to his calling. His response to what the voice of the Lord had asked him to do. What I encourage you to, to do is to take a personal fast from social media for several months. Instead, get into a Thrive Tribe and get into this thing right here and see what God does. Even the creators of social media won't allow their families to have a social media app and use it because they've discovered what it does to their minds. It's reforming our minds into such, such a way it was never created. We're making... Thousands of decisions in a day that we would have never made before. Every time you scroll down a page, your mind is making a decision like, dislike. What do you think about it? Critique, critique, critique. And it's meaningless stuff that's actually taking your emotional strength from making important decisions that God actually wants to reserve that capacity to make for his kingdom. Yes. And number three, it goes to this. It's ruminating and self-talk. And Elijah did this. We'll read this next week. He said he basically told God, I've been doing all this good stuff. I'm the good one. In fact, I'm the only good one left. And that wasn't true and Elijah knew it wasn't true. But he had talked himself into believing a lie. Amen. He was ruminating and ruminating is like a cow when it goes and eats hay. Garen, you can probably teach on this a little bit more than I can. But he goes in and he's eating the hay. He's eating the grass. And, and he's chewing on it. He's chewing on it. Chewing on it. You ever see a cow just sitting there like... Chewing his tongue. He's chewing it. And then he swallows it. It sits there for a minute. Then he... Back up. He's chewing on it again. Mm-hmm. He swallows it again. And, and then the, and uh, over and over. Over and over, and this is what we do with bad news, or something that didn't happen the way we wanted it to happen, or something that someone said to us, or an event that took place, or something we saw on Instagram or social media that didn't we didn't fall in our favor, or we even compared ourselves to it, and now we begin to ruminate over it, and now we begin to see it as a lie, this truth as this lie as a truth, and now it's become our truth, and now we're making decisions based on this lie, and all of a sudden we're in this cave, and we think that we're in right standing but in reality we have made a lie our truth. It's a good word. A good word. But 2 Corinthians 10:5 that we take every thought captive and you bring it under the obedience of Christ and if Christ ain't saying what that thing is saying, then that ain't Jesus. Forgive my grammar. I'm getting a little country on you. And 95% of your emotions are determined by the way you talk to yourself, says Brian Tracy. It's OK, Albert. It's OK, Greg. It's OK, Margie. It's OK. It's going to be OK, Joey. It's going to be OK. Ninety-five percent, the way you talk to yourself, is, is the self-talk lining up with the lie, the comparison, the deceit, or is it, no, 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 here's what God says. Oh, no, I'm more than a conqueror. I am a victor. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can get through this depression. I'm, this depression's not going to defeat me. I'm not going to believe those lies. This isn't going to be who I am. All of those things in this, Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, is that true? What you've been ruminating on? Whatever is noble, is that a noble thing that you've been ruminating on? Does it bring unity or does it bring division? Is it conflict or is it conflict resolution? Is it, is it, what is it doing? What is it putting in your heart? Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, hallelujah for that, that brings me joy. Think about such things and the God of peace will rescue you from the cave. Number, number four is this, inability to process pain in a healthy way. That's what happens when you get into the cave and you begin to ruminate over lies and all of a sudden your truth is a false truth and it's not the reality. And it has judgment, it has unforgiveness, it has condemnation, it has criticism, and it has all these thoughts that don't look like the breath of the Lord right here. And all of a sudden I can't process in, this in a healthy way because really none of it makes any sense. None of it has foundation. None of it has a truth that has sufficiency to bring me life. I can't process this pain. And a lot of people have a wrong view of life on earth. You think, well, God owes me happiness. Or, I can, even though I'm in Christ, I can do anything that pleases me. No, both of those are wrong. There is a mission plan. There is an escape plan. There is a, a, a plan that God has, and that is to... Deliver you from hell so that you can make it to heaven and that's through Jesus Christ. That's his plan. And his second plan after that is to grace you with the empowerment to overcome the depression, the anxiety, the fear, the sin, the stronghold that you are struggling with. So that you can grow in him and conform to his image as you breathe in life and you begin to declare back what he says rather than the voices say. That's what God's plan is. And I'm so thankful for the trials because I've learned what they produce. I don't like the trial in and of itself, but what it produces causes me to find and rejoice in the midst of a trial. I don't understand it right now. It feels like a cave right now. I can barely see a little bit of light right now, but I know when I make it to the other side through into the light, I know there's going to be history, there's going to be story, there's going to be success, there's going to be conforming to his image, there's going to be victory on the other side of this thing. I've trained myself because I've been in the cave a lot. Amen. I- Amen. And Jesus said, Greg, in this world you will, I will, we will have tribulation. And somebody said, "Can you be more positive?" I am positively sure you and I are going to have tribulation. <laughs> That's right. But who has that on their fridge? In this world you will have tribulation. Hey man, we get some ice. <laughs> it's a cold world out there. Going to have some tri- Jesus also says, take heart because I have overcome the world. And a lot of us, and if, not all, and if not all of us, are experiencing pain. And the question is not if. The question is, what are you going to do when this comes to you? How are you going to handle it? And more and more people are turning to unhealthy vices, binging TV, drug use, 3 a.m. video game playing, looking like a zombie, or the amens on that one. After the pandemic took place, drug addiction in March went up 18%, in April 29%, in May 42% in a matter of three months. And honestly, we are all dealing with and ministering to these same effects, the effects today. I am ministering to the effects, the residue that you're getting from your family members, the people around you, the loved ones, the people that you're hearing about in the news, the burdens that you're carrying, I'm ministering, and I'm trying to provide comfort through the comforts that I've found so that you too can go provide the comfort back to others. There's a guy named Viktor Frankl. He was a Holocaust survivor, a psycholo- psychologist, and every one of his patients that he fa- that he had afterwards were uh, suicidal, and and in abstract to, to Freud, uh, Freud had this idea that life was, the goal of life is pleasures. And Frankl said, no, 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 pleasures are not the goal of life. To find purpose in your life is the goal, or meaning in your life is the goal. He said, because if, let me just read it, and if you don't have purpose and meaning, then you'll dull your life with pleasures, only to find out that those pleasures no longer please anymore. It was purpose. And so he started this logo, logotherapy that began to do exactly what God had already called the body of Christ to do, is to give life away, serving others, which is why we have the Go team, because as he began to move these uh, suicidal patients into serving the lives of others, all of a sudden they found value in their own life. They realized they were connecting to purpose. They began to make a difference. And there's nothing greater than making a difference with a community of people who are on the same track as we are, a spiritual journey, going about our next steps, and making a difference together. There's nothing greater. Amen. And it all points back to what Jesus already said it. It's what he died for. 2 Corinthians 1, 4, and 6 says, God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those. Not so we can sit comfortably, but so we can comfort those in any trouble with the same comfort, the comfort we ourselves receive From God. So God sets you free, heals you, delivers you, and brings healing to you. Not so that you can say, I've been healed. No, but I've been healed and I can deliver the same healing back to you because God is working through me and He wants to work on you at the same time. And He says, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds. Through Christ, Listen, there's going to be sufferings whenever you're in the game, whenever you start to come to the Lord. There's going to be sufferings. But here's the beauty of it. If we are distressed, if I'm suffering and if I'm distressed and I'm going through despair and I'm overcoming, it is not for my comfort, it is for your comfort. Amen. And that you get to get set free from hell. That's true. And that your friends and your neighbors and your loved ones get to get set free from hell because you're overcoming... Your shortcomings, your sufferings, and you're receiving comfort from your distress. And all of a sudden, people are seeing it and you're getting a voice because people are wondering, How are you making it through this in this time? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And then God just creates a way and the Holy Spirit draws them into Himself. Clockwork. Because there is purpose in my pain. There is purpose in my pain. And, if, and your life experience doesn't disqualify you, it qualifies you to help someone else who is going through the exact same thing that you have gone through. Yes. Number five is this, isolation and loneliness. We have more digital connections than ever before, and we have become the most disconnected, so, the dis, the socially disconnected generation on record to ever live. That's sad we got to remember, the first problem in the Bible wasn't sin. It was solitude. What was the first problem that God saw in the garden? Let's look at Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. That was the first problem. Yet I never assertively use this social distancing phrase because I know what it speaks into our soul. I know we need to physically distance a little bit while we are staying connected relationally and socially. It it was a work of the enemy to separate, isolate, and bring bring us to a place of, of vulnerability, not for good, but for evil. It caused anxiety. It's causing anxiety, fear, worry, depression, and we don't have each other to lean on each other with and go through this thing together because we've been convinced to get away from each other. Romans 12 5 says, We are all one body in Christ. We belong to each other, and each of us needs not some of the others. No, we need all of the others. Because you are a spirit being having a physical, temporary physical experience while here on earth. But if we can get our spirits set free, it will begin to change the whole dynamic of our soul and then to our body and our mind, our mentality. Which leads us to number six is is spiritual warfare. And this is a huge one. I'm telling you right now believe only a portion of the things that are coming through your head because we the church in general the body of Christ big C nationally globally is going through the greatest period of spiritual warfare because of our social distancing and the vulnerability I'm going to show you the verses in just a minute the vulnerability and because of the immaturity of the body come on somebody the immaturity of the body and we need to grow in Christ it's all over scripture we need to grow into maturity of the Lord but I'm telling you right now, spiritual warfare is on fire. And we need each other more than ever. We need we need this truth in our lives, to be breathing it in, but we can't just stop there. We need other people who have grown further in the Lord in their walk to be able to to peek into our lives and and hear what's going on in our hearts and help discern, is that from the angel of God or is that from the the, 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 the enemy that comes in as an angel of light? I have some experiential wisdom insight for you i know some spiritual warfare but what if i told you while you've been here the enemy someone found that key under the rock near your front door and they took it and tonight they're going to come in and he's going to take all your stuff and he's going to take your kids what would you do uh, some of you would probably stay up, and you'd probably introduce them to your friend Smith and Weston. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the Word of God says, "Some of y'all are asleep." Peter says this: "Be self-controlled and stay up. Be on point. Be aware. Be alert." Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Let me just tell you that lion, the enemy doesn't just show up and say, Hey, gazelles, I'm here. Y'all better run. No, he's prowling. He's looking. He's blending in, blending in with the territory, the terrain around him. He's the same color. He looks like everything that you know to be good. Like Satan comes in as an angel of light and he's whispering things. You've decided to isolate yourself. I'm going to get alone and I'm just going to hear God for myself. I'm going to get alone in my troubles and I'm going to listen to that voice, that that innermost voice that's going on. Without clarity from the word of God, without covering, without guidance, without wise counsel as scripture would say. I'm going to get alone. And boy, Satan loves that because he loves to get that gazelle away from the pack oh, I got you now. Oh, you're not checking back with anybody? You're mine. Oh, let me just lead you on for a few weeks, maybe in a couple of months. There's an epidemic in the church that that this is taking place. They believe this social distancing lie, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they think, I can go and I can hear God for myself. Yes, you can, but you sure better check it back with this and someone. And I don't mean some immature believer. I mean someone who has gone through the battles, who has fought the fight, who is growing, who is in the word of God, who is planted on the foundation of the rock of Jesus Christ. Because even Jeremiah, come on, because even Jeremiah, the prophet who heard from God, was hearing voices of being destroyed. Even Elijah was hearing and believing the negativity when that text came across his iPhone. Please don't think that you and I are any better than these two. I need my brother, Pastor K. I need Cass to... Check this. This week alone, I was struggling. Something hit me Sunday night that just God began to prepare this message series for me in such a way that, man, I... It gave me empathy, it gave me compassion, it gave me real world experience in this cave. And I told Cass and Lent, Lent we went to, and my wife, we went to Dallas this week together for training. And I told them, man, I, I was looking forward to seeing y'all because I just needed to tell stuff. And then Tuesday I got, I was with them. Tuesday I Tuesday I was, I was with a hundred other pastors. And the worship team began to play, and we began to worship and make these declarations back to God, and the Spirit of God just began to open up and pull, the, pull that cave back like a convertible. Top down, baby, come on. Where's that, where's that Camaro convertible at? And I needed the refreshing of my brothers in Christ who I realize are going through the very same thing as well. And their people are struggling. And there's answers yet to be found. And we know... The answer, we know the one who has the answers, but there's such a burden that we carry and that you're carrying and we're carrying together for our hurts, for the wounds, for the hurting. And as the week progressed, I felt good. I was with my pastor and he was encouraging. We were having fun and, 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 and spending time with Cass and Lynette. And, and then Friday I got home and boom, five naps I took Friday. Allie said, are you ever going to wake up? I woke up to go to Tyler and fell asleep back in the, <laughs> in the car again. But Sunday, Saturday, I got up, I got outside, I got some sun on me, I, I, I worked out, I put my, my, you know, large self back into the working out, and all of a sudden, I started feeling it. I started feeling good again. I'm like, whoa. But let me tell you the experience that I had in the midst of that, because just because you have the armor of God. Doesn't mean that it's on, Ephesians says. You got to put it on. And I was laying there and I, I, was, I was in the cave. And God began to take me into this experience, this real life experience. And I'm like, God, why is this happening? Why am I struggling like this? Why is this hurting so bad? Why am I going through this? Why am I? And I'm, I'm lamenting. I'm writing my book of Lamentations. And he began to show me my father. He showed me my brother. Who these are my heroes. Like I loved him. Look, my brother was seven years older than me. I loved my brother. I love my brother. But growing up, there was a struggle. And the Lord spoke in that moment. I could feel myself in the cave. He came in in a whisper, and he says, Nathan. You're always going to struggle with this until you forgive both of them. Because see, here's the deal. Growing up, I never knew when my dad was going to be home and I never knew when my brother was going to be home. At night, they may never show up. My brother was struggling with issues from my dad. My dad was going out and and doing the things that he thought was best for our family, but he didn't realize he had two kids and a wife that really needed him. And so this... Anxiety overtook me as a kid. And I struggle, I oftentimes struggle with this anxiety all the time because it, it, it reminds me, uh, subconsciously, unknowingly, but God revealed it this week. And this thing took place, and God said, Nathan, that thing's always going to get you until you forgive your brother, and fa- your brother and dad for this specific issue and you realize that I am your, God, your heavenly father and I will never not show up on you. Yeah. And the moment he did, the moment he showed that, he revealed that it was just like, whew, melted my heart, melted my heart in my situation. He melted my heart for the, every, uh, the people involved in other situations. And he began to give me perspective. Now I was still lethargic because I still had, a, I had some things I needed to do. I needed to rest one let me tell you, you want to rest in the Lord. You never want to make decisions on depressed in a depressed environment. Never make a life decision. Let me repeat this with loud exclamation marks and a highlight and a flying banner behind an airplane and a in a bit Goodyear blimp. You never want to make decisions when you're suffering trauma, depression, anxiety, worry, and fear, and you're in the cave. Never want to make life life-changing decisions. You just want to find the truth in this and you want to hold tight until it all passes because let me tell you this too shall pass and once you do you will have revelation from the experience and you will have confirmation and conforming to his image and you'll be able to make wise godly decisions and you surround yourself with people who can see you, who know you, who know your ins and outs, who know your little innuendos, who know your seasons when you do this or you do that. You make these decisions. You make those judgments. You put yourself in the surrounding of those people so they can lovingly call you out. Because God has given us authority, but we have to use it. I want to pray for you, can I? And if you need prayer for anything, let me tell you, our, our prayer team is going to be in the Connect room after this. If you need to come during worship at the end, you can come. Just come to the altar. Just lay it down. You'll be here with the Lord. But if you have prayer other prayers that you need, just fill out the Connect card. Fill it out. Put it in the little black box on your way out. And we'll pray with you this week. So, Father, I just thank you so much for healing. I thank you for freedom. I thank you for that whisper that draws us out of the cave. I thank you, Lord, for Bersheba moments. I thank you, Lord, for the revelation of your goodness in our times of need. I thank you, Lord, for calling us out of the darkness. I thank you, Lord, for calling us out of the cave. I thank you, Lord, for giving us wisdom in the midst of a battle. I thank you, Lord, that you grace us with everything that we need to not only endure, but to overcome. Father, thank you that you are our victory. Thank you that we already have been given victory in the midst of going into the cave. Father, I pray for every one of my brothers and sisters right now who are struggling with any of the issues that we've dealt with. I pray for marriages. I pray that finances be healed. I pray that emotions be healed, most importantly right now. Just come Holy Spirit in this beautiful moment. And just have your way with all of us. Let our hearts be whole and healed in you. And we just pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Was that good? Isn't God good, though? Hey, if y'all will, you'll stand. We're about to worship. I want to remind you what your giving does. Your monthly giving, we provide for the homeless. We provide clothes. We provide them a place to wash their clothes. We provide food for them. We provide food for the homebound. We provide sustenance for family members who have been abused physically or emotionally here in this town. We provide for, orph- or for orphans in, in Honduras. We provide for Israel, for, messy, for Jews to come to Christ in Israel. So when you give, that's where it's going. And to a lot of ministry that takes place right here in this house. So in advance, I want to thank you for all of your generous giving. I want to thank you for your commitment to what God is doing right here at Thrive Community Church. God bless you.